Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Hey, and thanks for listening in to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond Jr., and I'm pleased to be joined by Reverend Nikki Darlene Franz, Community and Spiritual Leader of the Solomon's Porch in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking some time out of your schedule to to be with me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. Now, I, I met you a few times. I got to know you just a tiny bit while you were in Denver, uh, in the Denver metro area. And now you're in Minnesota. But tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, if you would. Yeah. So, um, new to Minnesota. Uh, moved here in June. Um, went to, um, actually came and visited for the second time in the end of, well, mid-March. Um, moved here um, to, you know, change as well as um, be the community and spiritual leader of Solomon's Porch. Um, I'm a, um, uh, ordained with the United Church of Christ. I got ordained in 2017 in Colorado. Um, and so one of the things for our ordination process, we write um, an ordination paper, talk about what we believe and why we believe it. And mm-hmm. the last paragraph of that paper, I kid you not, um, is about kind of where do I see God calling me to ministry? And, yeah. and of course, I'm one of those people like, yuck, I want nothing to do with traditional local church ministry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, no, thank you. It's not what I signed up for. <laughs> but I describe this vibrant community that Mm -hmm. I didn't even know existed at the time where this community is quirky. This community is um, open to growth and experimentation and open to receiving what is God doing in the world and how can we do that? Um, The, the, this community of where, Hey, um, utilizing our gifts, uh, yeah. particularly with a focus around the arts, capital A art. That's uh-huh. what I look at. And I'm literally describing Solomon's Porch. Now, wow. mind you, I didn't know it existed. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So I described that in 2017 and, you know, staying true to what I think God has me to do. Um, you know, I go into um, chaplaincy uh, ministry. Uh-huh. And then, you know, as the old saying goes, uh, you know, people plan and God bless. Hmm. Then, uh, you know, I'm led to Minnesota leading a a local church unique in many ways. Great. Say, say that saying again, God, I didn't catch that. Uh, yeah. Um, God, uh, well, people plan 
and yeah. God laughs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I understand. I believe it's the old um, Jewish saying, I believe. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so, and the rest is history of, yeah. well, that's exactly where I am. <laughs> awesome. Now, do you mind sharing any about your kind of path to faith or journey of faith? Yeah, um, I don't mind. Um, so I am, I'm from South Mississippi. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, journey of faith, religious expression and, you know, life expression and cultural lens, you know, in many ways they overlap. Um, so, um, I, uh, kind of bounced around a little bit as far as, you know, denominational claims of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, I started in a missionary Baptist church, um, and then, um, and then, you know, as a kid, teenager, um, my family decided to go to a seventh day Adventist church. And these are all. Yeah. These are all black churches. Um, okay. Two of of the most segregated places, or uh, racially speaking, is churches and cemeteries. So, mm. yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah. So Seventh Day Adventist, and then you know, of course, you know, product of my environment. I am the good girl in many ways, in many articles um, of doing what I told, doing what I'm told. Um, (laughs) so I started, uh, dating this guy, um, and, uh, this guy was baptized Catholic. Uh And so in, um, it, in the particular church I was raised in, um, you know, there was not a lot of fond, um, opinions about Catholicism. Right. (laughs) And so, of course, you know, being up, you know going along with what the minister said, I uh, decided to tell this guy I'm dating. I decided to go and convert him and go and save him. There you go. Good. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like, I am going to go tell you about why your belief is wrong. Yeah. And yeah. you can come see the light. Right. Yeah. But that totally backfired on me, as you can understand and appreciate in many ways. And here's why it backfired. It backfired because I didn't have a stance for myself. I was regurgitating the stances of the people of authority that they'd given me. Yeah. Um, You know, I can remember, you know, my baptism being a pretty traumatic experience at 12, 13 years old. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) So, um, so I say all that to say this, you know, this guy he basically asked me, why do I believe what I believe? And that was wow. the first time in my life at 19 years old, I was asked that question and I didn't have an answer. Wow. And so, you know, it brought me on a path to really discovering and looking at what my faith journey and mm-hmm. where, where, what are my next steps? And so, of course, you know, um, you know, went to, I converted to Catholicism. Like, well, okay. if, they're, yeah. if they're so bad, then right. let me see what they're about. <laughs> <laughs> let me see what's up here. <laughs> uh, but, 
Um, I know I'm kind of bouncing around here a little bit, but uh, so at that same point when I was 19, that's when I um, had my first vision from God being called to ministry. Wow. Um, and so at this point, I've never seen a female minister. Yeah, and you're um, Catholic, right? <laughs> well, I'm about to go Catholic. I'm about to go Catholic. Okay. I'm at the end yeah. of it. I'm at the end. <laughs> and, um, you know, the my experience, the ministers that I've seen or been involved with, there's been some misconduct and mm. no, not a lot of accountability. And and it's, um, it just wasn't really healthy situations. Yeah. And so when God shows me a vision of myself preaching the gospel, I was like, you got the wrong number. That is mm. not me. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Nope, 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 nope. Um, and so, you know, converted to Catholicism, started to really develop some language and concepts of my own about what really matters to me about my faith. Why, you know, why do I still claim and hang on to Christianity? You know, mm-hmm. what is it about this? homeless carpenter that's traveling around spreading this interesting but pretty unconventional message especially at the time (laughs) you know so um so what happened was you know i kind of came to the point where you kind of know you're at a stop in your mm-hmm. faith journey, particularly within a community or within a organization. Yeah. Uh, I sat down with, you know, um, a Catholic priest and, you know, sat down and had serious conversation of, listen, God's called me to be a minister. And wow. I know my time is short here. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. He's like, well, I mean, you know, of course you get the, hey, could you, you know, you could go to the nunnery. You can do that. I'm like, I'm I'm married and I don't plan on not doing that. But but it's this the question I was asking me is would I stay if women could be ordained? Mm -hmm. And for me, I I I think I wouldn't because I feel like I've kind of, you know, that time in my life, that season it was right where it needed to be, but that season has come to an end. Wow. Of, you know, I, uh, and not saying that Catholicism is not about like low church and social justice, because in many ways mm-hmm. they are. And I'm forever grateful for my time being yeah. Catholic. Yeah. But my time came to an end. Um, so, with that, I talked to a mentor of mine um, of like, hey, I think I'm called to ministry. And my mentor, he was a Methodist elder, and he okay. took some time and kind of went through, here are the denominations type yeah. questions. Because yeah. mind you, you know, again, we're still in the South. Right. So I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily, you know, walk into a Methodist church by myself if I didn't know anybody being a you know, black woman in her early 20s. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily, but I did walk into Catholic church. So, so anyway, mm-hmm. um, 
so one of the things that he said that stuck out, and I actually talked to him about this. We had great conversations about this uh, about a year or two ago. Is he went through the denominations and then he showed this is the United Church of Christ. This is the UCC. Yeah. They're the liberal ones. And then he moved on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, mind you, I'm in South Mississippi. I mean, yeah. You know, it isn't like deliverance is playing in the background, but still, you know, there's still a long way to go when it comes to yeah. kind of social views. <laughs> um, and so my, background is in music mm -hmm. so um uh I, you know i majored in voice in college and so i did you know musical theater shows and did a lot of performances and had a lot of friends and many of my friends were part of the lgbt community and okay yeah i could just remember uh for a lot of my friends just a lot of struggles of of faith and acceptance and yeah. and safety particularly in south mississippi and yeah. I could just remember just kind of deep in my yearning soul in, you know, in the early mid 2000s, like, why, you know, why are we having a dialogue and debate, particularly in our church communities about people's dignity, worth, and acceptance based on mm. who God created them to be? Yeah. And, and it was big there. It was a big deal there in many places in the country, uh, other places in the country. But I can remember, you know, many of my friends, like, the best I'm going to get is because God doesn't love me. The best I'm going to get is to be able to be in relationship with someone else on the side because I'm shameful for who I am. Wow. Like I'm never going to have a spouse of my own. Now I'm not saying yeah, that right. that's the case for everybody, of course, but I can remember, I remember a particular friend that would mm. sneak out in the middle of the night to meet other married men. Mm. And, and this is kind of the best that this is just what we're going to get. This is all we got. Yeah. Because I am not loved. I am not worthy to be loved. Wow. I am a sin. And immediately I was thinking, I mean, not in a like savior complex way or maybe I should right. evaluate that, but it was, well, who's your minister? Mm. You know, who, who's, who's with you helping you navigate through these, you know, really, really, you know, hard yeah hard choices and right. and hard how do we how do we treat people with dignity instead of yeah. just hey you're not loved and so because of that i'm not going to go any deeper to try to be helpful to try to look at you as a human to try to remind you that god loves you too i don't think and, and if this is the case, I would walk away. I don't think when Jesus was roaming around, mm -hmm. if someone in his camp was of the LGBT community, I don't think he would say, go away, you abomination, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And if so, I'll, I'll gladly hang everything up. Mm. Gladly. 
So, so, I mean, I still that to say, I, I try, I try to be someone to see people, to really see them. Yeah. Not to see who they love, not to see their gender, you know, well, gender and sex as this is, this is the only part of your story. Right. It is a right. big part, but it's not the only part. I try to see the humanity. And sometimes I do really well. And sometimes I absolutely hashtag fail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fail. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, I think to me, that's what we, and that's what Christianity is for me. <laughs> you like how I got back to your question, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of seeing the humanity in one another, of doing the best to our best that we can, whatever that looks like in whatever situation, and following the teachings of Christ, even when we're not at our best. And even when we fail of following the teachings of Christ, Jesus Christ, we get mm-hmm. back up. We get back up and try again. Um, you know, and, and we're, we, we're being honest mm-hmm. with ourselves and with the people that we're called to serve and honest of what does redemption really look like? Yeah. And, and how do we each and every day practice that in our lives, receive that and give that. Well, let me ask you that then. What is one of those ways that you've been able to practice that? Hmm. Let me start by saying it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, For me, it looks like when someone has wronged me and mm-hmm. it looks like me going to them and before I go to them really searching my heart and soul of what happened mm-hmm. why did it happen how did it make me feel what do I think needs to happen to make things right mm-hmm. what is the worst thing that can happen if I go talk to this person what yeah. are my expectations um and then, and then after that, really, and this, this might sound like a cop out, but I really feel this way. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, you know, hold it in love and release it to God of, okay, God, I'm going to go talk to this person about this situation that happened. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll hear it. Yeah. Maybe they will. But if they don't, does that matter to me? And why does it matter to me? So it's really, really asking those deep, heartfelt questions for myself of, because I'm a process person mm-hmm. and to understand what is worth it look like. And if it looks like me telling that little nickel, Nikki Darlene in my soul that I stood up for you, mm. I said something, I, I let them know how that made you feel. And wow. maybe, maybe by saying that out loud, 
maybe and maybe not, they can make things right with you. But I want you to know that I'm doing everything I can, Minister Reverend Nikki Darling Bronx, to make things right for you. Wow. Because ministry starts at home. If we're going to advocate for other people, we have to be able to advocate for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, so by yeah. going, but re- in redemption too, is it's about, and if I go to the same person and they're totally like, no, I stand by what I said. Mm-hmm. That's that. <laughs> um, I'm not hearing what you're saying. You know, that's the holding it in love and releasing it to God. They're it's not hearing stuff. what I'm saying, but I said it. Yeah, that's good stuff, folks. That's good stuff. Thank you for sharing that, Nikki. That's really good. Of course. Let's uh, let's let's talk about uh, what you're doing now. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing so much about your story of faith. That's wonderful. So as as I mentioned from the top, you're now the community and spiritual leader at Solomon's Porch. And the first question I've got to ask is, what is it like taking on a new job? Oh, new man. church job during COVID. Oh, man. You know, this is my first church gig. Yeah. So there's that. So I don't have anything to compare it to, like, other church jobs. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, because, again, I'm one of those church people that said I'd never be in the church, right? Biggest mistake, like, right? <laughs> and then, you know, God laughed. Like, funny, you're going to run. You're going to run one during a pandemic. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it is... Huh. It is a lot of crisis management. Mm, crisis yeah. management, not saying that, you know you know, this is a terrible community and everybody's always in turmoil. Right. No, this yeah. is saying that there's a global crisis here. Yeah. And and transition is already pretty traumatic anyway. Yeah, great um, point. You know, and just on a normal day. Right. You know, let alone that, hey, we're, we're really, really, uh, we, we can't meet together for one mm-hmm. of our, for services, me as community and spiritual leader. That's what yeah. But it's, you know, it's, um, it, it's that as well as it's, it gives a lot of space for experimentation. Yeah. And which is what is a big strength about Solomon's Porch. We are a group that is founded on experimentation. Mm-hmm. kind of who we are and how we function in life um so you know i look at it so i'm a musician you know yeah. i look at it as um you know i look at it as like a jazz chart right you have your basic me- uh, melody um you know kind of like here is a way to think about this this idea yeah. and then you have some chords behind it um and the only thing that you're really tied to is, you know, how do you start the song and how do you end it? Anything else in the middle, you just kind of, in many ways, feel it out, depending on if you have a chart in front of you, depending on what people and their musical gifts are, depending on what people want to say with their instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say all that to say, you know, it's it's in many ways, un you know unconventional compared to like 
you know, classical music where everything is structured out. Right. <laughs> everything, you know, including what instruments play where, when do they stop, when do they start, how loud are they, how do we start the music, how do we end the music. Like everything is pretty scripted in many, in, in most, if not all, classical uh, music. But I say all that, I draw that parallel to, I look at it as ministry, you know? So I would say, if we wanted to draw the parallel, I would say maybe classical would be more kind of higher church, yeah, Catholic church, yeah, um, you know, some, some Episcopal churches and so on and so forth. Um, and then right. like atonal jazz would be Solomon's porch. It's just you look mm. at him like, I don't know what the heck is going on. <laughs> but it's interesting. <laughs> but then, oh, there's some elements there that oh, okay, that that's kinda familiar. I kinda I kinda understand what's happening, but it's it's like brilliant but messy. Mm. But inspiring. That's a good analogy for church. <laughs> but it's like I don't know what's happening here. What? I can't put you in a box. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we operate in the world. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I don't know, just the impermanence of it all. It's, that's what kind of keeps us together. <laughs> yeah. In many ways. Well, let me ask you, kind of, uh, I, I want to ask about your title because I noticed, and I was kind of <laughs> curious, like you're not, unless I'm misunderstanding, you're not called a pastor, but you're called a community and spiritual leader. So I'm curious, maybe I'm reading into this too much, but I'm curious about if there's a distinction and what that distinction is. Um, I think it's worth asking the question. So here at Solomon's Forge, we, um, you know, we like to reimagine, mm-hmm. um, reimagine titles, reimagine how we do church, reimagine how we are of service to the community. Yeah. Um, and one of the ways of reimagining is, you know, what are some ways that we call our leaders of our community, like call them, like refer to them and their work that they're called to the community. Um, so like, you know, I'm the community and spiritual leader, you know, my basically youth pastor, she's our uh, children, youth, and families advocate. Mm. Um, you know, my pastoral care pastor, basically, um, she is our um, um, engagement curator. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so it really is so, about reimagining what these things look like. <laughs> Wait, say that again? Sorry. Yeah, it's really about reimagining what these roles look like, yes? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, so to answer your question about pastor, you know, I look at them as one and the same. Um, okay. Shepherding a community, um, helping to, you know, guide and focus and, you know, mission, uh, mission and vision and help to how are we how are being a benefit and a blessing to the world? What does that look like? How are we doing yeah. it? So I look at them as one and the same. So there's some people that, as you can appreciate, 
um, in many ways. There's some people that have baggage around the word pastor. Yeah, yeah. Some people are like, eh. you know, I was even one of them. Like, you know, I was mm, like, oh, I'm yeah, going to be the cool yeah. person and never, you know, never even mention it. <laughs> but there's this, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm just like this, this little girl in like these big pants. Mm. you know put my big girl pants on and it's more of like no i am the pastor the shepherd of this community as yeah. well as you know and that also means a community and spiritual leader so mm-hmm. so with that solomon's porch were so many things right of mm-hmm. you know yes you have the spiritual community or the church community that comes on sunday nights you right. know baptisms communion all the you know, the, the Christian stuff yep. um, in a traditional quote unquote way. Mm-hmm. And then we have Solomon's porch of people that may or may not identify as Christian. And yeah. yet just really likes to hang out with us. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they come to our, you know, um, you know, our events at people's houses, like our happy hours and our, um, you know, other events like that, our plays, the arts are the way that we do life as well yeah. as, so, you know, like our art gallery openings are there, um, as well as we have our yoga sanctuary, which is one in the same as Solomon's Porch, where that's not necessarily uh, religiously affiliated um, in a traditional sense the yoga studio (laughs) an amazing yoga studio that does a lot of activism in the community and support and so then um we have our faith health and wellness center that consists of our um you know what do our healers look like we we have Uh acupuncture we have therapy of how are we caring for our community, not only here at Solomon's Porch, but beyond. So it's one and the same for mm-hmm. me. And yet in any ways, it's kind of different too. So, Well, yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. Now, as you mentioned, you haven't been on this job super long, but I'm, I'm curious, like what's been – What's what? What have you noticed for yourself, or maybe for your church community? What's been your biggest challenge? Hmm. I'd say the biggest challenge is balancing the the what does it look like to be in person question. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, it's that. And, and all of us, and many of us feel that in our hearts of we want to be together, you know, in a in the way that we were. As we're recording this, it's what mid-August, basically. And I know Nikki, as I've I've talked about this with with my some of my good friends, colleagues in ministry, and I know we've talked about how back in March it seemed like the hard decision was when to shut down. And now really the hard decision is like, when do you go back in person? What does it look like? You know, how safe is safe? Right. Right. And the fact of, so in August, 
you know, particularly here in Minnesota, you know, um, you know, the amount of new cases of COVID-19 are still climbing. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, um, yes, technically, according to the state, you know, with precautions in place, including a COVID preparedness plan, um, as well as having uh, limitations of the amount of people in our sanctuary space and a um, looking at what does air filtration look like. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, here in Minnesota, in public spaces, we're required to have masks. We'll mm-hmm. be wearing masks unless, I want to say under five years old, as well as unless there are other medical conditions that permit uh, people yeah. from wearing masks. So, you know, it's, and I, I've talked to some of my pastor colleagues about this, just that kind of pit in your stomach of yeah. being, being a pastor of a community that, you know, your, your, your special charge, this community, God has called you to yeah. lead and, everyone's looking to you like we want to be together. We, we want to, you know, yeah. particularly in my context here is we want to celebrate that we're together now. It's hard yeah. of being quarantined and then, and then looking around, it's like, well, what, what is the impact of the quarantine? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're seeing these numbers increase and then, you know, speaking from the pastoral perspective of my absolute worst fear is a COVID outbreak here, even with the right, best of intention. Right. Yep. You know, of I got people that do have underlying medical conditions. Right. I, I, I have people that, um, you know, well, no one deserves to be sick. Yeah. So one is enough. Yeah. You know, again, and as I, Jesus said. <laughs> yeah. I, I like your point you mentioned of that role of shepherd, kind of caring for your sheep. It's hard to want to purposely put someone at risk, right? Right. I'm curious, like, what do you think, you know, we've, America's been going through this for several months now. Um, you know, I, I had to speak. I had to speak live for a for a networking group event over Zoom, and I was I was laughing how nervous I was. So I, I was thinking about how I hadn't spoken live because my church <laughs> has been recording in like months <laughs> since mm-hmm. basically March, and I keep thinking about and wondering what are the long lasting disruptions going to be to church specifically. And I'm curious if you've given thought to that or seen foreshadows i wonder even in your time hmm. long lasting disruption yeah like i like i'll say like technically i'm a member of two gyms <laughs> and i haven't gone to either in you know six months and i probably won't go to a gym until maybe there's a vaccine and to that point uh, all been so used to and so adapted to working out in my basement, for instance. 
you know, will I need a gym membership again? Hmm. I don't know. I have something hung up on the word disruption. And maybe mm-hmm. this is my optimistic view on things. Yeah, well, let's talk about it. Tell me what you think. Yeah. So I guess I'd say, I don't know. I guess it's that reimagining piece. Of, I would say long-lasting adaptation. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, of, I think that our country and many countries throughout the world has an intimate view of what it's like to be shut in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have hopes that, I mean, not necessarily for the traumatizing part of it, because it's extremely traumatizing, but more on the lines of remembering our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Of I hope that we don't forget that too, because of those that are shut in in our communities. Hmm. Um, well, I like I like the way you're looking at it. Of how can we learn from this mm-hmm. going forward? Yeah, that's kind of how I you know um, I know for me particularly, what's really really resonated of this time of quarantine and not being able to be together like many of us would ideally want to. Right. It's, you know, it's forced us to have um, different ways of looking at things. You know, I have, you know, I have some people in my community that, um, you know, suffer from mental illness and being in person anyway is a feat for them. Yeah, And so by having um, uh, a Zoom option to be able to come and participate and be a community, um, it it means a lot. Mm. And that was kind of one of the first things I talked to one of my uh, covenant participants about, or members, so mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, of like, it's this, some days I just don't feel like getting out of bed, but I don't <laughs> want to be alone, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, um, and as you know, you know, the Minnesota winter is fierce. I <laughs> don't, <amazing>. thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you heard. Okay, fine. Yeah. Heard. We're down the street. I don't know. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. some people don't, you know, some people are like, no, I don't want to be involved in that, <laughs> you know. Um, mm. For me, you know, one thing I appreciated is before being... Um, here at Solomon's Forge, I was a chaplain at a retirement home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just even with the best of intentions, with a wonderful staff, um, with, you know, some of the families being supportive and present to our elderly residents, some not so much. It's this ministry of the forgotten. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, I I think of um in many instances in our society, we tend to forget about our elderly as far as how you know, how important and loved and seen that they are or can be. And I think that, you know, uh bridging back to your question of 
Hopefully the pandemic helps us to see, help us to see those that are forgotten, those that are left alone, and those that aren't always, you know, um, seen as much. Yeah. I just want to highlight your broader point there about looking at it as a time adaptation, because I just, I just think Nikki, like that's a mentality that so many leaders and churches are going to need to get through this. So I just want to like, I just want to emphasize that. Um, Let me shift gears just real slightly here. Something I've been dying to ask you. So you mentioned you're ordained in the United Church of Christ. I'm ordained in the Christian Church of Christ to kind of, I guess, what kind of sister denominations in some sense, I think. And and it sounds like you're like, you're fairly new or you're not a a lifelong UCC or I guess, right? No, I'm all around the gambit, man. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I signed up because my mentor said those are the liberals. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not a lifelonger in the DOC as we call it. And I'm, I'm curious, like, you're working now for a non-denominational church and mm-hmm. I imagine like me, you probably notice like, you know, the trends are obvious. Denominational churches are struggling in many instances, declining. And I, I've noticed this trend of kind of these progressive evangelical churches. And I, I'm just kind of curious, like your own thoughts on, you know, how do you see these trends going? Um, do you think, your situation is kind of just a one-off or do you think it could be emblematic of things to come? I mean, if we, we based on and looked at, you know, evangelical, more conservative churches, um, you know, and in the context of kind of where I come from, particularly in like uh, Mississippi and, you know, the South, uh, there are a lot of, evangelical churches that are independent as well as you know conservative churches that are part of a denomination but don't have the name right of yeah, yeah. you know um that are in relationships you know particularly like southern baptist is real big down there um mm-hmm. i think that what 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 that would be interesting to see more of particularly in our more um uh, moderate slash left-leaning or more liberal churches, uh, mm-hmm. particularly mainline. Yeah. Um, what could it look like if we, you know, let go of names of our churches? As, oh. as far as like, I know, I know, I know, I'll be that person. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be that person of, you know, what could it look like? Is 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 it a hindrance to us? Can we still be in relationship and in community, um, but not have the name of our, you know, our denominational. It's like we're not going to be First Methodist Church or First mm-hmm. UCC Church. Or at least, I mean, and and I want to be clear, I'm not saying it all goes away. Cause right, right, right. There's, because, <laughs> so funny. Uh, so Solomon's Porch is, it's so many things, right? For mm-hmm. some people, this is their connection to a uh, community, spiritual community in this way. Others, yeah. this is their other church. Mm. We, we meet on Sunday nights. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so some of our community, they go to church on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. at another church that has the, maybe the denominational connection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For some, this is an alternative. For others, this is the only way. For others, I want nothing to do with that spiritual stuff. Yeah. I think it could be a trend of more communities like Solomon's Porch existing mm-hmm. and coexisting with, um, you know, more traditional denominational churches. Um, I yeah. know for me, it's like, it's kind of interesting for me. I, you know, I'm actually working on transferring my UCC standing from, you know, Colorado to Minnesota. And okay. so in order to do that, I mean, yes, ordination happens and, right. you know, nothing, nothing can ever change that. But in order to be an authorized minister, right. you know, to have voice and vote of things that go on regarding the United Church of Christ here in Minnesota and beyond, there are steps I have to take. Yeah. And one of those steps, true story, one of those steps is I have to be a member of a United Church of Christ congregation. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So on this <laughs> Sunday, I actually joined um, a local church here in Minneapolis. Wow. Yeah. So I am a member of a church and I am a pastor of a church community nonprofit. I'm not sure, but yeah. this is a church yeah. thing, spiritual community. Well, that's so interesting. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. Well, let's take a break and we'll come back with some closing questions. All right, we're back with Reverend Nikki Franz and some closing questions you can take as seriously or not as you'd like to. So uh, the first question is kind of relevant, it sounds like. If you're Pope for a day, do you have one thing you'd like to accomplish? I would love to have maybe an evening. I'd like to have an evening with Pope Francis that involved wine and cheese. Oh, I love And playing it. music. And going into what the hell are we going to do about this world? Oh, what do we man. Need to call? That's what I want to do. <laughs> that is like, Nikki, that's the best answer I've gotten so far. <laughs> I am such a fan of. <laughs> oh, thank God. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's great. All right. What theologian or historical Christian figure would you want to bring back to life? Oh, man, this is so hard. Um, so I'm going to go a slightly different direction here with this question. Um, I, I look at, uh, bell hooks as a theologian. Uh I would love to have, uh, I'd love to have great conversations with her, particularly around the oppression Olympics, as well as I want to meet Rabbi Harold Kushner. Um, Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, many of his books really helped me in my faith journey. I would love to sit down and, um, have meaningful dialogue with him. And I, I didn't realize he was deceased. So I'm disappointed to hear that. I'm curious, Phyllis Tickle, uh, perhaps you read her. There's an evangelical guy, Brady Shearer talks kind of similar language about this being like the biggest shift in 500 years we're living through. 
what do you think history will remember us for for this time and place? Um, if if I wanted to take the lens, go back to my the Christian land, <laughs> um, yeah, looking at it in that lens, I would say that's when kind of the corporate Christianity, um, yeah, um, in this season, particularly in you know the Americas and the world. Well, not mm-hmm. that it wasn't before, but I mean, this is the start of, um, you know, the schisms and the creation of the denomination, you know, mm-hmm. like post-Reformation. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would say, I would say a lot of like, like, I think of like, you know, I've tried to find this tool actually, and and I think it's not even accurate anymore. A tool of like all the denominations and and how yeah. they splintered and, yeah. and and why they splintered and and you know what does it mean to splinter and as you can you know understand you know what we're seeing now you know of you know the United Methodist mm-hmm. Church and where they're yeah. going. Yeah. Um, you know uh, the the Lutheran Church and where they've gone. Um, I would say, you know, corporate Christianity and maybe even, I don't know yet, this is kind of my hopeful thought here, of maybe even kind of like a back to basics of looking at, you know, what... What does it look like to start over? Maybe mm. there's some places that are doing that. And what does starting over mean and look like? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for our time today and really enjoyed our conversation. Where can people find out more about you and, and the work you're doing there? Sure. Um, I'm appreciative of your time. Um, it's pretty great. It's really great conversation today. Um, people can find me at um, SolomonsPorch.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are working on a website update. So y'all don't judge us, okay? <laughs> judge us. I know y'all. I yeah. know y'all, folks. <laughs> well, Nikki, don't feel bad. I was looking at our my church's website today, and I'm like, this is just this is just completely irrelevant because it's based on meeting in person. I know. You know what? Hey, I, I embrace that. We're in the season. It is what it is. But Good it's for you. Stay Good tuned. For you. And I'm sorry, I interrupted. Keep going. <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, good luck. I'm glad that this podcast exists because um, it's very relevant. We need to understand where we've been and mm-hmm. take a look at where we are and where we're going. Well, awesome. Um, thanks again, and uh, peace be with you. And also with you. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. But hey, before you go, do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people. Thanks and go in peace.